Welcome back to my podcast, Teaching La Vida Loca, for season two. I'm Annabelle, your maestra loca, and I am ready to kick off season two with even more enthusiasm, magic, and tips and tricks for your classroom. Get set for a ride of inspiration, unapologetic authenticity, and ideas to spark more joy in your teaching journey. I'm turning up the excitement and elated to have you right here with me. I'm not just your host, I'm your cheerleader, and I am thrilled you're tuning in. Buckle up and let's do this. Let's tackle teaching La Vida Loca together. How about that new intro, huh? I recorded it when I was like in hyper-focus mode a couple weeks ago. I was like, I'm going to record the new intro to my podcast. I know I don't even know what the first episode is going to be about, but it's going to be great. And here I am. I was like, Mm, let me log in. Oh, look, I already have a new intro. Super. Just listen to it for the first time, literally just now, just after you. And I'm just rolling into this first uh, recording, this first episode of season two, literally not sure where I'm going. And I've sat here the last 15 minutes. I know what I want to talk about, but I've been sitting here trying to think like, how can I add value? How can I add value? How can I add value? And then probably realizing that what I want to talk about is valuable enough. But now that I've heard that intro, I feel like I need to turn it up a little. (laughs) Like, whoa, that was a spicy intro. Like, so exciting. Okay. Um, Let's hope that this sounds good. Should I test it? Should I test the sound? No. Let's just keep going. It's going to be great, right? Like, right? Surely. Okay. I did go and check because I was too nervous because this is the first time I'm using this mic. Um... So I really, really want to talk to you today about authenticity and the importance of you being you no matter what. Um, And I was thinking about recording this before my trip to Australia. I was recently invited, oh my God, to my first international conference. I went to Australia to the conference called CI Down Under. I was invited by Kathy, um, Boo Kathy and Boo Ann. Anne used to teach Indonesian, and then she taught Spanish for years. Boo Kathy teaches Indonesian in Sydney, and I had the wonderful pleasure of joining about 37 Australian educators in Sydney and talking about world language pedagogy all week and best practices, and it was really one of the best conferences I've ever attended um, just because of the gratitude and joy and energy that I found there. I also got to meet Margarita Perez Garcia, um, who has a podcast with Adriana Ramirez. And I felt very grateful for that opportunity to um, connect with her, bond with her, kind of adopted her as another mama, and she has adopted me, and I feel very grateful for that. Um, But after going to Australia, it was even more solidified and even more important that I record this episode for you. Because um, all too often, teachers in general struggle with imposter syndrome. Um, I mean, people struggle with it in general, but um, teachers go through imposter syndrome in a major way because of um, the access to social media uh, and the access to um, readily like feel like you're in somebody else's classroom at any given moment because you have access and windows into people's classrooms all over the world through social. 
And so imposter syndrome in teachers has never been worse, really, um, because we are seeing these beautiful bulletin boards and we're seeing these amazing lessons and we're seeing these activities. And sometimes you get to see them with kids, but sometimes it's just teachers explaining the activities and sometimes it's just the resource itself. Sometimes it's teachers who are making resources who haven't taught in the classroom for years. Um, And you just don't know what it might look like with their students. And if you are seeing it with students, you're then thinking, oh God, I don't think I'm good enough for that or that my students would do that. And it's immediately in your head about um, the way it would look for you or feel for you, right? Um, And a lot of self-doubt. And honestly, I think that there's so many, so many factors to this. Um, One being that we need to remember that People are only showing you their favorite things, the things that go really well. The activities that don't work in my classroom, I'm not really talking about, (laughs) y'all. Like, I don't want to share about those. The things that flop, mm, I don't want to share those. Uh, The days that are like bomb, like terrible roller coaster crashes, I share about those with La Familia Loca PLC because sometimes I just need to vent or cry about a day. But I'm not sharing those activities in a hope that somebody will stay take it on, right? I want to share things that are working for me, things that I'm finding success with. But my expectation and my hope is that you take the idea that I share and then make it your own. Put your own twist on it. Put that authentic piece that makes you, you, that twist into the lesson or into the idea. Because if you're trying to emulate me, or any educator that you see online or at a conference when you're implementing these things, you are not going to find success because you're so focused on being somebody else in your implementation. Students will smell it. Students will see right through it. And students also deserve an authentic representation of you as well because you are modeling for them the importance of growing up and being proud of who they are and being authentically themselves all the time. Now, this isn't always easy. Um, I have a lot of people who don't like me um, in the world language teaching world. I have a lot of people who have reached out very vocally to tell me this. Um, I've had people for the last nine years reach out and tell me um, that I need to be more professional in the way that I act and the way that I interact with people and that the way I write my blogs um, is off-putting and um, frankly um, not helpful to teachers because of the way that I write or because of the language I use. I had somebody call me out publicly in a Facebook group um, and I remember this very clearly um, in 2016, saying, nobody wants to hear about your bodily functions, Annabelle. Um, act professionally. You're, you're growing a following. And I was so devastated and embarrassed and humiliated by the comment because it was somebody huge and, and respected in the world language teaching community. They were calling me out in a huge Facebook group. And all I had said was, I am so stinking excited for this. I could pee. And then I was like, oh my God, so embarrassed, so embarrassed. I didn't delete my comment, but I stopped posting in that group. And I still post very rarely in that group because I was so embarrassed. I felt so humiliated. But I didn't stop saying, oh my gosh, I'm so excited it could be. I didn't stop writing my blogs exactly the same way. 
I haven't stopped acting the way I act or speaking the way I speak or doing the things that I do the way that I do them because it's just who I am. (laughs) And ever since I've been learning more about my brain and I was diagnosed with ADHD last year, it's been even more eye-opening and I've had like a billion aha moments in the last year of like, oh, that is the reason why I do this. This is the reason why I do this. And I'm celebrating my brain more and more instead of hating and resenting the way that I am because I have has had lots of struggles with that too. Um, but in Australia, I had three, not one, not two, not no, yes, three, sorry, not one, not two, but three conversations with people who felt compelled to share with me. One was on the second day, one was on the fourth day, and one was on the final day that they, prior to meeting me at this conference, really did not feel they could learn from me. Um, were not following me because I was off-putting to them, that I felt fake and forced. Um, I felt, first of all, I want to say that I feel so grateful for these people coming forward and like having these vulnerable, very serious conversations with me. Um, and um, they wanted to tell me, like, I'm so sorry for like not seeing the real you and seeing the authenticity behind who you are. You're so real. You are genuinely that excited and that passionate about things. You are genuinely crazy about things, but in a really good way. Um, It's your passion. It's your enthusiasm. It's who you are. So sometimes it's scary and it's uh, overwhelming to be you, um, especially if you are feeling like you know people may take it the wrong way or you may rub people the wrong way. But if you abandon who you truly are to fit inside somebody else's box, you're living your life for other people. Don't do it. It's not worth it. Um, And don't be that model for kiddos. This has been a 10-minute episode so far, and I really wanted to share um, something that I think is going to be super valuable for you, too. So who knows what this first episode is going to be called? I don't even know. But it does ring true to the piece of this podcast that I promise to always be authentic. And so I think it is a good way to start off season two. Unscripted as usual. (laughs) came in like, I'm going to talk about authenticity. And boom, there you go. There's my spiel. Um, but I, I want to, um, wrap up this section just by saying you are so awesome just the way you are. I feel like singing a Mr. Rogers song right now. Um, but you are magical and you are so special and you are, uh, impactful and freaking amazing just the way you are. So I want you to maybe journal or write down a few things um, about yourself that people admire and respect and are grateful for, people who matter. Like, what are those qualities that make you authentically you? And if you feel like it, email me those things, because I'd love to hear what makes you authentically you. Um, And if you don't feel like it, that's okay. Um, But keep it for yourself and remind yourself that these are the reasons why I am 
awesome and why I am so special and why I am so unique and so different from anybody else. Um, Remind yourself of that frequently, okay? Um, Okay, next thing. Um, Oh, should we do a brain break? I felt like that's an important transition to have. Okay, I can't believe I haven't shared this brain break on this podcast yet. Like that seems insane to me because um, as the queen of brain breaks, as I have been called before, (laughs) thank you so much. Um, My go-to brain break, if I don't have a poster up in my room, is uno, dos, tres, dale. Is one, two, three, go, which is like rock, paper, scissors, shoot, right? So Rochambeau, whatever you call it, rock, paper, scissors is my go-to. Now, my go-to after that is alternate versions of rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> so um, my most frequent go-to, if I don't have a poster, is what I call extreme rock, paper, scissors. And all you do is play with your feet. So um, feet together is rock. You jump up and down. Uno, dos, tres, dale. One, two, three, go. Or un, deux, trois, voilà. Or i ar or uh, eins, zwei, drei, something in German. Um, na klar, maybe you could say na klar, right? I learned that from my dear friend Paul, um, who won Montana Teacher of the Year. Whoop, whoop. Uh, Paul is a member of Familia Loca, and he did a German session for us, and it was incredible. Anyways, sorry, off track. Uh, what am I doing? Uh, talking about brain break. Oh, So whatever you want to say to make it not say rock, paper, scissors, but you do it with your feet. So you jump up and down, uno, dos, tres, dale. And when you land, if your feet are together, it's rock. If your feet are shoulder width apart, it's paper. And if you have one foot in front of the other, it's scissors. Okay? So three different forms. And then kids just play with random people. You can tell them, play with five people. Play with everybody wearing similar colors to you in the room. Play with people who are similar height to you. Play with people who you haven't um, spoken to yet today. Play with at least eight different uh, people in this room. Play with everybody in the room. You can literally set it up however you want, but it gives them a great brain break and it's very easy to remember. It's a good go-to. How have I not shared it on this podcast? Yes, I don't know, but apparently I haven't because I have a little chart where I'm trying to track all the ones that I've shared. So you're welcome. There you go. Uno, dos, tres, dale. Extreme rock, paper, scissors with your feet. You're welcome. And we're back. What I wanted to tell you about is one amazing thing to do for yourself if you're coming in after a break or you just need a break. We're getting to that time of the year where you're maybe feeling a little irritated sometimes, maybe a little on edge, feeling like, am I counting down to spring break yet? Is it too early? No, it's not too early. That's okay to feel those things. Um, Or maybe you have jet lag or you're just like needing a second to not feel so on because Many times, if we are teaching with acquisition-driven instruction, can you hear the airplane? Sorry, let me pause. Um, So oftentimes, when we are teaching with acquisition, acquisition, all the time, not many times, when you are teaching with acquisition-driven instruction, it is more mentally, physically, 
and emotionally even exhausting than teaching with legacy methods. Like if I were to have a lot of worksheets that I could pull out, if I were to have a textbook to pull from and I got to speak more English and didn't have to be really, really, really intentional with the language that I was choosing, yes, that's much less mentally and physically draining than what I am choosing to do with my students. However, I know that what I'm doing is going to help them acquire. I know what I am doing is going to feel more joyful for them and for me. And I know it's going to lead lead to proficiency faster, right? So I'm choosing to do this. However, it is exhausting. One of the things you can do when you're feeling that way is stations. Now I have podcasted before about stations and I'm going to link to that and link to the episode, um, that connects to a, uh, a blog about stations, which has a freebie resource for you to make stations super easy. It's my stations expectation sheet. I'll link to all of that in the podcast notes. But what stations can do is relieve you of some of the mental and emotional and physical burden. And the way I do stations is I do them for a whole week long. So it is a huge break in the routine and the um, structure of our regular classes, but students love it because it feels so new and so different. These students had me last year, so they came in and they were like, stations, because I only did it two times last year, Um, and I make it a whole week long. They know that there's stations expectation sheets at each station that explains what they're doing. They know at the start of class, they're going to get a five-minute rundown of what the stations are for the day, but that if they totally forget when they get to the station, they'll get a rundown on the paper of exactly what the activity is, exactly how many people can work in a group, whether the activity needs to be turned in or not, what their volume level, all of those things. I'm not here to talk to you about stations today. I'll give you that resource and the stuff in the show notes. But what I am here to tell you about is if you have something to accomplish that is going to take a lot of time and you don't want to use your precious prep time to do that because you don't have enough of it anyways, and you certainly don't want to stay too much longer after school than you already do. Hopefully most of you leave at contract time. If you don't, let's work on that. And you certainly don't want to take any work home, right? So if you have something that needs more time, my advice is station, station, stations. Um, this week I came back from Australia. I was like, holy freaking jet lag. This is not expected. I already kind of knew what I wanted to do. I had ditched all of those plans and decided I'm going to do stations all week this week. And each day I've done something a little bit different. Um, today I had a writing station where they were doing a writing test and I actually was way more involved in that station. But tomorrow, every single station is completely and totally student-led. Like they will be able to work in partners, in groups, in pairs, or alone without my help. So I can rotate or I can sit and chill And as they have questions, they can come to me, but all their questions should be answered on the station expectation sheet. So it will allow me to sit back and look at 
their job applications because one of the things I had them do at stations was apply for new jobs because it's time to rotate our our classroom jobs. If you don't know about classroom jobs, I have an entire course with John Seifert. John Seifert teaches high school. I now teach elementary, but I have taught middle for years and years. And we both in the course share everything we know about classroom jobs. So I will link to that in the show notes as well as well as an old podcast I did about classroom jobs. But y'all, the ability for me to look over those job applications and start the process of assigning jobs is beautiful. And then guess what I'm doing tomorrow? Stations again. And one of the stations will be a sit-down table with maestra where I conference with kids and say, hey, you applied for this job. That's a great job. I also think you'd be a good fit here. There were five people who applied for that job as their first choice. You listed two other jobs you'd be interested in. What do you think? Can we shift things around? Have a conversation with kids? Assign them their new job? And boom, I've done it all during class time. I haven't had to work outside my contract hours. I haven't had to take work home. And kids have still been getting input and doing assignments that are just as rigorous and and intentional and fun as if I was leading the class. It just feels and looks different. Um, I also encourage you to still put in a brain break station. I talk about this in either the podcast or the blog, I can't remember, um, just for a literal brain break in it. Um, but you can also insert like a computer station in there where maybe you set up a classroom set of computers. I had um, a computer station today so that they could do their job applications. And I just set up 10 computers in a station because of my big, big classes. Um, Well, I guess it was 13 computers in one station, but I needed to be able to have 13 rotating group, not 13 rotating groups, three groups of 13. Does that make sense? One group had 12 or something like that. Anyways, um, so I love stations. I think they're so powerful. They're even more powerful when you can do it several days in a row because they get into the habit and the pattern and they know what to expect. They get familiar with that station expectation sheet. They know exactly where to look for what they're doing, what volume level they're at. And it allows you to take a week to get over your jet lag or have a break from like the mental exhaustion of what is teaching with acquisition-driven instruction, especially when you're new to it. It can be so exhausting, and I just want to acknowledge that um, and give you that suggestion of trying stations. Now, um, I think this is plenty long enough an episode. Um, I usually like to keep them much shorter than this, but Both these things are really important to talk about, and I'm just so grateful that you're here for another season. If this is your first ever episode of Teaching La Vida Loca, I am really glad you're here, and I hope that you'll take some time to go back and listen to some of season one. Maybe just browse the titles first and see what looks interesting. Um, What in the heck am I going to title this one? I am so grateful for you, teacher. If you could take a second and give the podcast a review, I would be ever so grateful. It really does impact my ability to reach more teachers, believe it or not. Um, I know Spotify allows you to give stars. Apple allows you to do stars or take two to five minutes to write something for me. Those written reviews do wonders for Google metrics and having Google put me in front of more people. So thank you for your support. Thank you for listening. Thank you for the opportunity to support you. And 
next time, I don't know what I'm going to share. I have no idea. I have no, I didn't know what I was going to share on this one. So I hope to see you here again next time. And until then, I'll be teaching La Vida Loca and I am sure you will be too. Thank you for being authentically you. You are so special just the way you are. You are amazing, brilliant, inspiring, creative, and I'm so grateful to have you in this space with me. Love you, teacher. Take care. Bye-bye.